When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. City Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. We are back top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, and we appreciate you joining us. We have Bill Bender nearby, DB, right? Yes, yes, we do. Bill yep. Bender on the phone, national writer for Sporting News. You can toss him a follow at BillBender92 on Twitter. Bill, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing this morning? Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Hey, good morning, Bill. Bill, you know, it's hard to get excited about bowl games. I know we have a lot of bowl games ahead of us today and uh, toward the rest of the year. Uh, with NFL draft declarations and, and portal transfers, you kind of have no idea who's playing anymore. And, of course, we all understand uh, the, the various opt-outs. But do you think it's good for the sport to see all of this? I still watch the games anyway. I, I mean, you got Frank Gord Jr. running for – 300 and some yards the other night. You got a uh, Marshall Yukon game was fun last night. I'm I'm gonna watch as much as most most of I can as much as I can and uh, not not really worry about it. Bill, when you're talking about um, and because I'm with you, I I'm gonna watch uh, just because it's it's football and I watch all <laughs> levels of football, but. Yeah, the NCA kind of passed a little bit. I felt like it kind of flew under the radar, where if if a if a redshirt freshman has played up to four or if a redshirt freshman has played up to four games, that the bowl game will not count against that particular player. If it's a if it's makes it over four and lose a year of eligibility, how important do you think that could be for some? for some of those kind of fringe guys the coaches want to keep happy and can offset numbers of guys that opt out. I'm all for it. In the Bulls, in, in the postseason, you're, you should be allowed to have that extra breath. You know, and some people, like I always say, Bulls mean something different to everybody. So for some of those rosters, like you said, that had a bunch of opt-outs or guys go to the transfer portals, um, it gives them that extra bit of experience, and um, I'm, I'm good with that. Bill, the early signing period has everyone's attention already, but I think a lot of people, uh, at least me, are monitoring Coach Prime and his big splash ability. Last year, it was Travis Hunter flipping his commitment. Do you foresee anything like that happening again tomorrow? Because he's kind of flown under the radar right now, just placing his recruits in front of Lambos uh, with Louis Vuitton bags. Yeah, he made a big splash, obviously, last year when he was able to get Travis Hunter. I'm sure they'll flip a guy or a two. Um, it's, it's very interesting. I don't want to say experiment. I just want to see how it goes. Um, I think Deion Sanders will have success in Colorado. I think he will recruit well at Colorado. I don't 
know how long it's going to take is the big question. Because, as I said, uh, most people are going to have their mind made up about him anyway. But how does Twitter and social media and the fans and haters react when they go 5-7 and seven next year? I would say that's probably a success. <laughs> Let me ask you something before we get back into college football. Now let's stay here with it for a second before I get to the NCAA because you may go off on that one for a while with Governor Baker and that decision. But, Bill, as you're kind of looking at ramping up towards – um, the holidays and the Bulls, the college football playoffs. We know that expansion is coming. Are you surprised or kind of just status quo that expansion is coming without a whole lot of conference uniformity first in terms of non-con games and scheduling, uh, et cetera? That's a good point. I, I was wondering if they would uh, have uniform schedules, have everybody – play eight games or nine games in in conference like the Big Ten does. Um, But not surprised that they're expanding. I mean, they they were barreling toward this, and uh, it it was one of those deals where I think you're going to have more games, more teams involved, more money, more interest, all those things, and they couldn't pass it up. Bill, before I let DB pepper your brain about um, new um, Governor Charlie Baker, Um, I want to ask you this, with how college football is structured today, the top teams tend to draw the best athletes, while uh, the smaller programs more often than not lose some of their superstars. That's just, you know, the nature of the the beast at this point. Uh, Knowing that, based on how this year finished, who'd be your biggest dark horse team to make some noise tomorrow? You know, I, I think, well, Colorado would have been one answer, but I think mm. it's just, you know, Texas continues to do well. I, I think, no, I don't really have a team that I think would, like, rise up the board because most of these guys are uh, signed anyway. But, I mean, just the, the Texas overreaction to Arch Manning and having everybody that's come around him is going to be pretty significant. I think Alabama did a pretty good job of striking back and uh you know you look at how many five stars they have uh they'll probably be ranked number one and, and there's a lot of there's a little bit of angst here in columbus with ohio state yeah not on the i mean normally they're one two three but the riola decommitment some of the other things that have gone on since uh the michigan loss has really kind of it's like it's almost like they're not in the playoffs because 50 percent of this fan base right now is not real happy so it's interesting. Let me stay right there before we go global. I fibbed. Let's ask one more. Because Michigan, doing work in the portal, um, they don't appear to be going anywhere. And I feel like a couple of years ago you and I were talking in my in my former life, and we were asking about Harbaugh and the flirting with other jobs and what happened post-pandemic. And all he's done two years later is when – back-to-back Big Ten championships. You said he's not going anywhere unless he wanted to. You even said that then. Safe to say that uh, everybody, <laughs> that, it, that it played out the way that, that, that the folks and, and Manuel, uh, their athletic director, saw it working out at Michigan with Harbaugh because they're not going anywhere. No, they – I heard Joel Klatt talk about this, how they're basically running – the hardball offense that he ran at Stanford and, and 
with the 49ers. They got back to who he was on both sides of the ball. And um, they've dominated the Big Ten the last two years. They, that was significant to win in Columbus because they hadn't won there since 2000. And kind of like the way I've been putting it is they're really not scared of Ohio State anymore. They're, and that's been a long time since you could say that, where they, they were not intimidated. J.J. McCarthy wanted that game. They grind you down. I mean, you guys saw the Nebraska game. It it didn't on the scoreboard. It didn't look cool. But I mean, if you watch that game, it felt like they won sixty to nothing. Yeah. With Governor Baker taking the job with with the NCAA, and we've been joking all morning, Bill, Andrew, and I about checkers and chess with a variety of things. I know it doesn't seem like a great job on the surface, right? We got a lot of cynics. Did the NCA get it right going with government considering they want Congress to get involved anyway? I would say give it a fair chance because you can't say, well, he doesn't have experience because, well, what NCA president has experience with NIL, with the transfer portal, with how much money's coming off college football expansion, with dealing with the rising cost of buyouts. I have a story about those today and how absurd those have become. Um, So I think getting a guy with that kind of background, and yes, he hasn't been in the NCAA, but he he did play. He's been in big business, big government, and uh, that's what the sport's going to require in the next chapter because there's so much more money coming in. So I'm going to give it a fair chance. And like I said, I was saying – somebody yesterday is like you remember the president before mark emmert he was like do you remember miles brand and i was like does anybody ever go around like trashy miles brand today i was like no because they don't remember who he is when you're talking about and i'm curious to see the article uh today bill so i'm glad you gave our, our listeners a heads up because it is i asked a question yesterday about the transfer portal and deadlines and you know should there be restrictions on when you can come and go and the reply was well no you have to be careful because coaches don't have restrictions on when they can come and go and when it gets to be a little bit of hypocrisy people are going to be upset is this exorbitant number of buyouts and those numbers bill is that simply about supply and demand or is there truly a crisis in terms of college football of who can coach and who can't yeah, I think uh, it's they're a little out of control. As uh, I talked to the head of the Knight Commission and Amy Perko, and she pointed out that buyout numbers have tripled since the beginning of the college football playoff era. And remember, we a couple months ago, we were loosely talking about, well, will Texas A&M pick up that $90 million buyout? And if they <laughs> did, that would have been a travesty for the sport. Like, that's what I'm talking about, like, uh, $15 million buyouts for Scott Frost. They, now they haven't said what was paid out. Um, Brian Harzen. I mean, those are just – the, the larger those numbers get, the worse it's going to be for the sport. Hey, Bill, when speaking of Nebraska here, uh, Malachi Coleman is the number one recruit in Nebraska, was 
all in on a hometown team before Matt Rule was hired. He decommitted because the relationships weren't there anymore with the program. Now, lots of player, players are relationship guys, and Matt Rule still has found a way to keep his team and their name in the mix. But how important are relationships nowadays for these athletes, or have they always been important, but we're just kind of hearing more and more about it now? I mean, I guess that that would be a case-by-case question. I mean, for me, if if my son were good enough to play in any of these sports, yes, I'm going to want to know who the coach is. I'm going to want to know how the program is. I'm going to want him to want – Not, and it's not about me. I would want my son to be comfortable with those coaches and have that relationship. So, um, man, that end of it. And when a coach changes and the relationships aren't there now – we do live in the portal era and, uh, you know, recruiting has changed a lot. I just can't imagine with the portal and recruiting, you know, my son, for example, if he was a five-star recruit without having those relationships and having a comfort level at the campus. And that's something that I think we all forget. Bill, before we let you go, uh, be remiss. We, are you? Is it Georgia and everybody else, or is there something you see brewing that we better keep an eye on once the the CFP starts? I mean, Georgia's favored, but I mean Ohio State. There's a ton of NFL talent on their sideline too. So starting with uh, Marvin Harrison, who looks like he could be a Man. thousand yard NFL guy now, um, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I think Georgia's going to be tough to beat in that first one, and then I think Michigan will beat TCU. So then you get Georgia and Michigan, and we'll find out what's different from last year and when Georgia won 34-11. And, and to me, it starts with Michigan's offensive line. Can they actually push Georgia around? They couldn't do it last year. That entire defense went to the NFL. <laughs> so uh, can they do it this year with a very good offensive line and kind of like what we were talking about with the Nebraska game, make it a boring, methodical win? Bill Bender, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, thanks so much. You guys take care. Thanks, Bill. That is Bill Bender. Catch him on Twitter at BillBender92, national writer for Sporting News. And check out his uh, buyout story that is coming later today. Now, DB, you know, we we touched a little bit on Charlie Baker, but I wanted to to run this by you quickly uh, because you know when you when you look at somebody with no real college background, um, you you talk a lot of politics now mm-hmm. because you grab you know a former governor and um, or is he the current governor? I don't know. I don't current. know governors in the U in the U S. So the current governor and he didn't it, run for reelection, so um, that term ends on the fifth. Right. So. Thank goodness we have you, our, our history buff over there. It has to be all centered around NIL, though, right? And so that you can, like, come up with, like, legislative solutions when problems arise. I think it's all about – I yes, uh, that's the short that answer. That could be a piece. But I think, it, I think it's all about whether you want control at the state level in terms of how to regulate the money or do you want – one great big governing body because I think all the to-do about NIO when it first started was how are you going to control and regulate the money? Who is doing the taxes? Uh, how is the government going to get their cut? Are, are kids filing on their own? Like there was all those kinds of answers. And I think 
when the NCAA first was were kicking around the ideas of name, image, and likeness, they were hoping the government got involved, right? Because I don't think they wanted that on their watch. They clearly don't. So I think they invited chaos down the stretch, <laughs> and the government is going to see, hey, there's a lot of money changing hands. How can we get involved and regulate this deal so we can get our cut? And I think ultimately that's where we're at. So is, is he just a placeholder then? No, right? I think – Because, like, where does the power fall? Does it fall on, you know, the commissioners, the power five commissioners to well, be exact? Well, I think, it's, I think he, it's a lot like the NSAA here, right, where they're, work, they're working for the chartered schools. And that's what really the NCAA and the president is doing is they're supposed to be working in conjunction with the schools. And so he's, that's, who, that's who he should ultimately be working for. The problem is, is when you have that many schools, that many universities, that many institutions, how are you supposed to operate on everybody's be- at everybody's best interest? Right. What what's going on at Southern Cal isn't the same as as what's going on at Dartmouth. Right. It's it, it's just not it's difficult. And so that's where you get into the one great big governing thing versus, man, how can we control this at the state level, too? You know, we can be critical about all of this. And uh, I know I tease that we'll probably get into this in the morning dump, but why not now? Because as I'm sitting here being critical on certain things, I want to hop back on that point uh, from Coach Booth talking about uh, being at a crisis point when it comes to officiating DB. And, um, you know, she'd know better than anybody when it comes to volleyball, but, you know, you've seen it, uh, whether it's at the high school level or watching it at the NFL level, and you've even seen college basketball officiating, uh, you know, kind of, dwindle down to to dust at this point because there aren't that many bodies out there anymore i mean how many games can higgy and, and kip kissinger and those guys work right three or four games a week for college basketball officials is tough you see what's going on in the state uh, with football in terms of officiating crews uh the nfl i mean goodness like it is I've never seen more, and I don't think this is hyperbole. I don't know. You can check me if I'm wrong. But does it not seem like – I just look at some of the Twitter accounts, bad sports officiating, bad umpire. You know, there's all these these Twitter accounts. Yeah, that they started basically, as parodies, but now it's starting to become a reality. And like, is it – it seems like it's at an all-time struggle, and I think – a lot of it is because we don't have enough people doing it. I don't think it's like a lot of bad guys that are bad at their jobs. I just think we're stretched so thin. And just for here to hear the word crisis, and the reason she got – I'm glad you brought her up because the reason Coach Booth got my attention is because she sees it at all levels, right? Reese, who's at Elkhorn North, uh, was playing at the, is at the high school level. So they just came through the AAU circuit in terms of volleyball and – and then she sees it at the high school level. And her mom, Coach Booth, obviously coaches at the collegiate level. We've heard Coach Cook talk about it, where just folks are – how many replays were there in challenges did we see in, in volleyball in just the final four, right? So when she calls it a crisis, it got my attention because she sees it at all levels, from the itty-bitties to the older. And I'm like – I don't know, do we? I just listened to four segments yesterday on the Giants and the Commanders officiating and whether 
Terry McLaurin should know how to line up or not. <laughs> right? It's like <laughs> I, I, I go back to the acknowledgement factor there, though. Like, yeah. He acknowledged. But the thing about it is, Andrew, when when I hate to say it, but when gambling and money is involved, yes, you go, Damon. You cannot have. That's what I think draws people's ire. When after the Donahue scandal in basketball, Andrew, I mean, people are gonna be on I'm high alert to make sure that officiating you. is. You can't is have on, your hand on the flag the whole time. Is on point and, but you people just notice have, things. You have to have enough bodies to be able to do it. People I mean, notice things. Do Do you know anybody, Andrew? Who's like, hey man, I'd love to be an official. Uh, well, so you, you bring up a great point there because I used to be an official. And you, you're like, it just doesn't seem like a lot of people are doing it anymore. And the reason for that is, one, uh, the critique that you get from the fans, right? You get berated all the time, whether you're at a high school game and you call a travel and the game's close and you swing the tide. And some people think, uh, you know, you were a little more um, – you, you may not have gotten the call right. And, you know, you you take on threats. There have been numerous times, numerous stories that I've heard. I've never taken on an actual threat. Uh, I think I, I felt I was pretty good at shutting things down. But there are times where uh, there are young kids that come in to coach at, you know, the youngest level, a third grade basketball game. And the fans are threatening to fight them in the parking lot at game's end. Mm -hmm. And this is CYC basketball we're talking about. This is a Christian school basketball. And people are coming at young fifth, sixth grade kids that are just out there to, you know, make sure the game runs, right? If, if you want to criticize officiating, get your bum out there and do it yourself. This game wouldn't run without officials. So I am on the official side more oftentimes than not. But when they are so apparent in cases as you were bringing up, especially at the NFL level, and you bring gambling into the picture mm. and all eyes are on officials to get the plays perfect and call the plays correctly, that's where, you know, I, I sit back and try to drink a glass of humility and think, whose side am I actually on now? Yeah. Like, am I on their side when they're at the youngest level because it's just kids trying to learn, kids doing a job? But when this is your actual job, when you are wearing the zebra stripes on the football field or you're calling the highest level sporting events at, at you know, volleyball championships, you have to get those right. You have to be – you have to – you have to pass with flying colors when you take these tests, and you have to have the best vision possible. But how do you get people to join it? Because yeah. you're starting at the lowest level, and you're killing kids' dreams to even still be around the sport if they you know, can't play anymore. Hey, because being an official is a full-time job. I know a lot of people do two jobs at the same time and cover college and high school games. But then it, once you progress further and further on, that becomes your full time job but you're not going to get those those spots those slots filled anymore when you're killing uh, the the young kids of our generation at the lowest level hey so did it catch you off guard when she said coach booth she's like hey be basically she's like be kind right and i the re i'm telling you the reason it struck is just because she's such a good person right i get that but she's asking other adults to do basic adulting things. And she's almost making a plea. That's really what – it's like, what are we doing where she's got to do that? Do you know what I mean? 
I'm with you. I mean, it, it just comes down to getting the call right. But at the same time, <laughs> maybe. Hey, just get it right, man. Just get it right and we'll behave as yeah, parents. But you can't you know, say that. Hey, kill him with kindness, though. You said the word kindness. Think about how far that goes with an official. How long of a way that goes. I'm not saying officials then side with your team, but maybe you get a call or two because you're treating them with respect. You're not just coming after them and, you know, ticking them off for lack of a better term. I get it. I get it. We need we need numbers, man. A lot of my buddies do it. Like I could probably list you 15 guys that are officiating and, and a couple of ladies for that matter. And man, it, it's I know it's hard for them. That's for sure. A lot sure. of times, too, it comes down to confidence. Yeah. That's all I'm saying, being confident with your calls. Hey, let's move on here. Uh, we'll talk to Robin Washett next, Nebraska senior team writer for Husker Online. He's next on Coffee and Cream here on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency.